Hi, everybody. This is Chantel Lopez, and you are listening to the Thinking Pilates podcast with myself and my co-host, Deborah Colway. Hi, Deborah. Hi there, Chantel. Mm-hmm. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Good. We are extremely excited to have our first official on-air uh, podcast guest, Melissa Kakavis. Hi, Melissa. Hi, guys. <laughs> Melissa and I um, met each other a few years ago in Sacramento at a faculty teacher training for Balanced Body, and I don't know what the experience was on your end, Melissa, but I remember like literally days before arriving in Sacramento getting an email asking me to put together several, like as many as possible, short podcast ideas to film while they're doing the intensive um, training. And although I was super excited, I just kept thinking, how the heck is that actually going to happen? And come to find out you were one of the, um, podcast, the video podcast guests. And that was the first time we met. It was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed working with you very much. Yeah. So that is how Melissa and I know each other. And, um, we are, also excited to be continuing the discussion on working with the traditional orders, but with taking this a little bit step, a step further. But before we do that, Melissa, we would love to just get a little bit more, um, background. If you could introduce yourself and give us a little bit of juice. Okay. Um, my name is Melissa Kikavis, and I am the director of Pilates education at a studio in Raleigh, North Carolina called Evolve Movement. I have been teaching Pilates for about 20 years. I am a faculty member of Balanced Body, and um, I also teach gyrotonics and gyrokinesis and practice Thai yoga body therapy. And um, have a really varied background as far as Pilates goes. I did most of my training initially living in New York uh, as a dancer recovering from a chronic hip injury. And um, my initial training was very traditional, but I also ran a studio there that I hired people from all different backgrounds. So I was very open-minded and lucky to be able to work with so many people and really learn from everyone I was working with. So um, it was kind of, it was just such a valuable experience to be in the Mecca um, at that time. And now I'm here in North Carolina. (laughs) Great. Um, Okay, so... Yeah, let's see. When we, uh, Deborah and I spoke last time on our last episode, we were really exploring this idea of kind of what, when do we use the orders? Why do we use the orders? What is, what does it mean to us as teachers? What are the implications for our students? And, um, it's been, it's been such a great conversation. I've actually had an opportunity to have it with multiple teachers now. It's, I'm creating a workshop on it for my mentoring program. So it's a topic I just feel like is so, um, rich and is affording a really valuable dialogue between myself and, um, new teachers, which to me is always thrilling. And 
last time, Deborah, you and I spoke about, you know, that using the orders, using something that is consistent. And when we have a framework, it, it doesn't do what some of us think it does. And I can speak for myself, my past experience, my belief was that it was a hindrance in some way. And yet now have come to really see that using the, this framework, this consistency, this rhythm and pattern of movement actually does allow for greater presence, less anxiety, kind of more ability to be malleable and creative. So that was kind of the crux of our conversation last time. I know, Deborah, do you want to add on to any of that in terms of recapping? Uh, I don't know if I need to add on too much. I'm glad you reminded me. Uh, <laughs> I, um, <clears throat> I do think that one of the, one of the things that uh, has, has been shown to me just through years of teaching and maybe more so as our world gets more and more hectic is the value of consistency for people in their nervous system. I think um, they need to be able to relax to learn. And part of what we can offer them and and the support of having people learn to relax with us is knowing that we're not just going to be changing things up every single time and that there is a pattern to everything. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you teach the exact same lesson every time. Of course not. But that there is, there are patterns. And I think we respond well to patterns and we respond well to <clears throat> being able to recognize and become familiar with and comfortable with something um, obviously there's pitfalls, you know, to becoming habituated and not developing any further, but, but I do really, I do really feel like people appreciate, uh, a certain level of, of familiarity so that they can start to take charge of, of their experience. Yeah. I, and I love that. You said that in the last, uh, episode and I, I felt like that really resonated with me in terms of the relationship uh, of being able to learn when the nervous system is in a relaxed state. And I think that's, that's so crucial and it's such a skillful action, right? That we can take on as teachers. Okay. So Melissa, we're really just curious to hear your take on this. And when you listened to the podcast, like what were some of the things that were kind of bubbling up for you? Well, um, First of all, I want to say I think it's just such an important conversation to have. Um, as a dancer, for me, I was very used to learning a technique and working to master that technique. That was just kind of how I was wired. You know, that was my learning style. That's what I had, had sort of been ingrained in me. And I think it's part of what initially attracted me to Pilates, um, and it was just a very natural way of learning, and I didn't question it um, in the beginning, and it wasn't until later that I worked with different teachers from a lot of different backgrounds that I started to understand that everyone didn't learn that way and didn't necessarily enjoy learning that way. 
Um, and I was really kind of blown away by it. I mean, it was just really just foreign to me. Um, it's kind of like, I kind of looked at it like in a ballet class, they begin at the bar with plies. And I never asked why you start with plies. I just <laughs> took the information and ingested it and focused on making them the best plies I could make them. Mm. And that's kind of what Pilates is like. And not everyone is, you know, as accepting of that, I guess. Um, and uh, so I think that, you know, hearing you guys talk about it and also for me, I loved learning from so many different teachers, like I said earlier, and different backgrounds. And I really kept an open mind and tried to take the best of what I could from all different styles of teaching. But then later on, when I moved down here to North Carolina, I was asked to run a Pilates studio where um, everyone was trained, all of the teachers at the studio were trained in from the same person in the same way that was very different mm. from my training, which was, you know, very traditional. So I had come into a very challenging situation because I was asked to take on this and hired to take on this responsibility of, you know, in, in giving clients consistency, um, upgrading the level of, of teaching, progressing with their education. And I, but they, yet yeah, they, they learned so different from me, <laughs> differently from me. It's like I had to, you know, really win them over, I guess. Um, and it was very challenging. Um, so when I heard your podcast, it was just a breath of fresh air to sit and listen to you guys speak about something that um, is is important. And um, I think it, it it's just really valuable information. And for somebody that's kind of been on both sides and the positives and negatives of both sides, um, it was really valuable information for me and just really comforting for me to hear because I really um, – what I had to do in coming into that situation where I had to provide that consistency with teachers that were not using the orders, they were not, you know, trained in that way in the sequences um, and not necessarily was that important to them. It made them feel very insecure when I came in and said, okay, you know, this is how we do things. And they're like, well, we didn't learn that way. And it's not, they were great teachers. And they were teaching great Pilates. But it, um, I had to really come up with meaning and answers for those orders for myself. Because that was never really given to me. And I was thrown into a situation where I then had to communicate that with a staff that had already learned a certain way. So it was just a really challenging experience and it was great though because developmentally for me as a teacher and then onto a teacher trainer teaching newer teachers I had very clear answers to those questions for myself and I was able to give that to people um so that was my initial response <laughs> yeah and I don't know Deborah feel free if you have questions for Melissa too to jump in I, what I'm wondering is if, um, 
what some of those answers were and are for you in terms of what, how did you approach this staff and begin to share with them and offer, you know, some insight as to what, not only why this exercise and then this exercise, but why in order at all? Like what, what are some of the things you feel like are deeply intrinsically important about that? And, and then, you know, how, how did you, how did you communicate that to them? Um, well, one of the things, um, just initially to, you know, um, make it relevant for them was to explain that the clients really needed consistency and that they needed to know what to expect and that if each individual teacher was going to be successful, and in turn, the business successful, we had to have a way to support each other and, um, you know, and, and really come together as a team so that we, as a team and as a studio, we had a particular style of Pilates that then people knew that they could count on. And if that's what they were looking for, you know, they, they knew they were going to get that and they knew they were going to get that consistently every time because Pilates is a is expensive, and everyone is short on time. So, you know, I don't know about you guys, but if I go to a restaurant and I order a salad, I want to get the salad. I don't want a hamburger. And if you bring me a hamburger, I think, well, why, you know, what's happening here? So I think the expectation has to be really clear that if somebody has called you and come to you because they're interested in doing Pilates, that it's very important that you give them Pilates in a very consistent way. Um, and so there was just a consistency for the clients. And in supporting each other, it was um, a way for us, if we shared clients, um, well, one, it gave people a way to share clients um, right. so that you could consistently progress them without each person starting over within each session because that really wastes the client's time and the client's money, you know. Um, they want to feel that they can progress towards their goals and they have to have a way to do that. So it was a structure for us not only to support the clients but to support each other and um, give a really consistent product. Yeah. So yeah. that's, you know, one one way of looking at it. Um the other thing is that um, it was a way to provide clients with measurable goals. So in the sense of, you know, when you're working physically with the body, you have to repeat things. It's through the repetition that you break patterns and that you create the strength and the flexibility to move more efficiently. If you have an intention for, you know, one exercise in one session and then it's three months later before you visit that again, the body is not going to be able to hold on to that information. So it was, you know, explaining to them that it's the importance in the repetition in order to make real progress and for the body to change. Um, and And then also along those lines with the actual sequence 
um, you know, it one, if you, you guys know what, what those sequences are, it provides a very specific physical experience when you do those exercises in those orders. Mm. When you don't perform it that way, there's an energetic component that I think is lost. Um, and so in order to create that really balanced physical energetic experience, it works for you to have that consistency, that familiarity, and be able to really orient the body and the mind to really deepen the personal practice. And, um, you know, it's, it's very much about, again, I bring back the point of teaching and not like coming in and um, doing Pilates to your clients, you know, mm-hmm. but you're actually teaching them and giving them something familiar and being present with them is a way for you to um, deepen the experience for you as a teacher and gives you the um, accessibility to, to do that. So those are some particular um, things that, as far as the orders go, that were very important to me. But just on a really basic note, you have to prepare the body. And I kind of look at the reformer. When you begin the reformer, you don't start standing up on the carriage. You prepare the body by lying down on your back and warming the body up and working with very simple movements to connect the breath and the abdominals and work on your alignment. And then as you progress, you come up to a seated position. And then as you progress, you come up onto the box, on your stomach, on your back. Then you come up even higher. It's like a plane taking off. Mm-hmm. You know, you're starting on your back. And as the plane takes off, you come up higher on the box to your seated position. Then you come up to standing on the reformer. And then if you think of it as landing your plane and having that kind of nice resolution, you come back down onto the knees. You come back down to seated. You come back down onto your back, you know, and to, to finish. And so it's really... From the perspective of just physically preparing the body for more sophisticated movement, you know, um, having these orders are really valuable. And being able to have that beginning, middle, and end, that nice resolution Mm -hmm. to create the physical experience again. Um, So these were some things that, you know, really stuck out to me as you guys were having this conversation. And, And Deborah, one thing you kept mentioning in the previous podcast was that it's a developmental process. And I think, you know, it's a developmental process for, from two different perspectives, one for the client, but also that just teaching Pilates itself as a teacher, it's a developmental process. And they, yeah, they need to understand that they don't have to be all knowing coming out of the gate (laughs) and give away everything they know about bodies in their first session. You know, you have to have a way to, to say, okay, I'm a new teacher. My first responsibility is to learn these exercises and how to teach them safely and with the correct intention. And then once I can start Once I can do that, then I can work on really analyzing the body in front of me and refining the movement. And then once I can do that as a teacher, then I can work on teaching more of the overarching principles that 
are in the Pilates method. And, you know, that can't happen all at once for the teacher and their experience or for the client. So you have to have a way, a structure to hold on to, to, you know, to give yourself that, that avenue. And then the expectations are clear for the client and the instructor. And Chantel, something you mentioned was like that anxiety uh, for new teachers about being so perfect and pleasing. And, you know, they need to understand that this is a method that's tried and true. And if you don't follow the method, <laughs> you know, you got to follow. It's there for you. It's being given to you not to inhibit you in any way, but to support you, I think is the and, and, and I think that is important for both perspectives of the client and the teacher. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Melissa, I love that oh, analogy of the, of the airplane taking off. It makes a lot of sense just uh, as a metaphor and as a, like a literal analogy of progressing. Deborah, do right. you have any um, thoughts? I have like each, uh, each section, Melissa, of what you said, so great, and I, I I just really want to go quickly, briefly. Um, there were so many things that you said that that had more richness even than I thought at first. Uh, you know how you had to come up. I thought, aha! When when Chantel asked you, well, what did you say to the people? How did you know what to answer? And I thought that um, there is this thing as a teacher trainer that happens when you teach teachers, you really never know as strongly as when you have to explain it to another teacher right. what you right. believe about things. So that's like a great opportunity for any of us that get to go into that role. It just really puts, you know, the pedal to the metal there in terms of clarifying. And then the other part that I could relate to very much was working with a staff and how important on so many levels for business and just our uh, health of an organization, but also the motivation for us to come to work and be with each other every day and also the environment that we end up creating that the, that the clients come to, the more, the more we respect each other, <clears throat> you know, the teachers that are working together and have good communication that does get reflected in terms of kind of a peaceful environment. So the clients are feeling that and that's better for them. And we also have, uh, you know, we share clients a lot at the Pilates Center and I don't want to get into this too much, but just years and years ago, uh, we realized that we needed that exact thing. We needed a way to have communication through our note taking that let the teacher, let's say, you know, somebody else gets you your third or fourth time. How do, how does that, other teacher know what fundamentals got taught, where that client is. So, you know, we developed a system of note-taking that, you know, we follow relatively well. But, it, uh, you know, you need good communication, and if everybody's calling exercises different things or, you know, whatever that other thing is, then that's it. it, it is harder on the staff. And then the other thing yeah. I just thought that was so great <clears throat> about what you said in terms of the consistency for the clients and the safety and everything, and this was kind of a new thought for me, um, 
when you have clients who are long, who are coming for a long time, and they are familiar with the method, the orders. Let's say something happens; they have an accident, or they've been away for a while, or whatever is coming up. They're injured. They have an illness. Um, <clears throat> could be some, you know, even pregnancy doesn't have to necessarily be negative, but something that. Uh, makes it such that they can't just keep doing the thing the way they always did it, it's really nice for them to be able to have seen the big picture. And it's not like you take everything away from that person when they have a period of their time when they're limited, but that they can pick and choose. They're still on the spectrum. You know, they still see the whole picture, but maybe they're doing A, L, and Q. You know, they're not going A, B, C, D, E, F, G, the whole thing, but they're they can see that they're still participating. You know what I mean? So psychologically, yeah. it's very nice. They can, they're still doing their Pilates, you know? It's not like yeah. they had to stop, but they're just, they're doing their, their variations at that time. They're still doing everything. They're just doing that variation of it, you know? So um, that's also kind of, I don't think I ever articulated that exactly to myself in the same way about another value for what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And there was one more thing, but I forget now, so um, <laughs> that, that's it for now. <laughs> but I just love listening to you. I mean, you're so clear, and and you it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, I love that, it, too, Deborah. what you just said, drawing that connection, I think, Melissa, I see that, too. It's not. It's not like in this case that you're describing that we, the student is like been banished to a different island and now has to practice something different, but that there can still be the same level of ownership and participation in your practice. And on, on another level that I feel like you're kind of touching on the psychological level of to be okay. And you and I have talked about this in the past, Deborah of recognizing that each time we come to our practice, we come to it with a different body, right? And sometimes with a different mind, mind state, you know, it's, and so to, to teach that quality and to be able to facilitate that sense of awareness in terms of we can show up for ourselves in any way that we are. And perhaps Mm -hmm. that is also you know, relevant for the teacher, not just the student. And so as I think both of you have said either today or in the past, Deborah, you know, it's like there's this twofold when we do something positive, an effort to magnify the experience. We, we typically do so for the student and the teacher. And I think that's, that's something very interesting to me. That's kind of um, coming up from this conversation that I'm really really loving. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think also just kind of looking just a, a kind of different aspect of this, um, as Pilates has become more mainstream and as it's changed and one of the ways that it's become more accessible to people, you know, it used to be you all, if you were on the equipment, you did private sessions or semi-private sessions. And if you were on the mat, you were on the mat, and you could only afford to do what you could do, you know, it was kind of an elitist form of exercise in that way. But, um, you know, as Pilates group apparatus 
programs have grown, it's in a wonderful way made Pilates a lot more accessible to more people and grown the industry. But, um, you know, there's also safety and clarity and, you know, lots of different aspects to focus on for teaching with that. And if you have that skeleton framework behind what you're doing, even though it's still incredibly challenging, if you you have a very, you know, we have everyone's different. Everyone has their strengths and their weaknesses and comes in with different abilities. I mean, I know at our studio we have leveled group classes, so in that sense, you know, we try to control a certain amount of that. But if you, it just provides the ability and accessibility of different level clients to all be practicing Pilates together. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. And, okay. and that's right. And, and I would, we try to level as well. And <clears throat> there's always challenges there because people are going to come when their schedule allows for them. <clears throat> also, there's the issue of, uh, you know, you call something a beginner class, for example, and the people mm-hmm. come and uh, they grow together. They're actually not beginners anymore, but they like their group. They like the time. And so they're staying and they're actually not beginners anymore. And then you get the, the drop-in person. Right. Uh, you know, so that is that is definitely something that's, if you don't have, if you don't have a strong point of view in, like you said, that skeleton, uh, it makes it, really hard to do. Yeah, and I'll tell you, honestly, um, at our studio and, and my personal teaching style, even though the traditional method is, is was very much how I learned, um, I tend to stray away from using the word classical just because that means so many different things to so many different people. But um, <laughs> if you were to look at my teaching now, I don't necessarily teach that traditionally. I have diversity and variation in what I do. And um, again, my my uh, experience with so many different teaching styles and, and really trying to remain open, which is a little bit rare sometimes in this field, um, has allowed me to, to use a lot of what I've learned. And so if you look at my teaching, it's it's really from the amount of experience and time I've had and through my own learning process of not only learning from other teachers, but working with so many different types of bodies and so many different injured people and so many different levels that it's really kind of acclimated to through what has worked and what does work, you know, and um, I might not do the, hundreds on four springs, but I still follow that basic skeleton, that basic order there in the mat work, in the reformer. Mm-hmm. A lot of times mm-hmm. if I spend, I choose to spend an hour on the Wanda chair, I still am using that basic skeleton framework of the reformer and mat as I'm working on the chair or as I'm working on the trap table or towers, doing a tower class. I still have that framework on that way, I can be creative, I can be exploratory, but it's going to be in a very balanced way. It's going to have a specific uh, energetic, 
physicality and feeling throughout the session, um, which I think is, um, you know, you can you can use those orders and have that familiarity without it being dogma, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The thing that I think is important about what you just said is the level of experience that you have. You touched in a little bit a few minutes ago on the idea of safety, and I guess um, I think it's important, especially for newer teachers listening, um, we need we need to encourage and always be very positive about the fact that it just takes time, this ability to be, this creativity that you speak of and the comfortability, comfortability that you have. Uh, you rely, I don't think any of us have been teaching for as long as we have can forget what it felt like when we weren't like that. It's so important mm -hmm. when it really did feel to us like it was just a ton of exercises and how am I going to remember all this? Mm -hmm. and am I doing mm -hmm. it right? And are they doing it right? And there's really not, there's nothing that can substitute years of experience to get to that place. And um, so again, uh, one thing I think until and I started to talk about last time regarding safety was having a part of our teacher training programs very much helping the newer students understand as much as we can in the framework and the time that we have with them uh, the function of the body, the function yes. of the exercise as opposed to just a bunch of choreography because some things that we all just take for granted, it took us a long time to take it for granted. Yeah. And yeah. so you can't really relax into that comfort of using the framework and et cetera in all the ways you just described unless you have a sense, honestly, of what the function of the exercise and the function of the body is so that you can make good choices for people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really so, uh, as a teacher trainer, so important. And, you know, you guys know, um, your students, they look at you like a deer in headlights after the end of a weekend of <laughs> teaching and, and they're sitting there thinking, oh my God, how am I going to assimilate this information? And how am I going to remember all of this? And I keep trying to go back to telling them, if you don't, if you hear anything, hear what the intention of mm -hmm. the exercise is. Make yes. sure you're clear. And then you use the appropriate modification for the body that's in front of you. And whatever you can do to allow that intention to be clear throughout each exercise. And that, you know, they, I keep telling them, you know, you don't have to recreate the wheel. This works. If yeah. you do it, yeah. and you do it safely and clearly and well, because really, clarity comes from simplicity. And if, you know, you're out in the ether somewhere, it's just, it's it's not going to be clear, and you're not, it's not tangible, and it's not a method, like I said, that's tried and true, that you can really experience in your own body, but then communicate to someone else. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, just it, we started, it, before we started recording, we had talked about moving in the direction. I feel like we've already 
really answered the question we never posed, which uh, came from a woman who I've been working with who kind of abandoned her teacher training because she came into it with um, some injury and um, an autoimmune illness and really ended up hurting herself. And her question to me was, does this, does this happen often? Does this happen a lot? And so we, the three of us were talking about, well, how do we answer this question in relationship to using the orders and using a consistent framework? And I think perhaps we have answered the question already when we keep alluding to and talking about safety and consistency. And this point, Deborah, that you have made about and Melissa, that you've reinforced about, you know, understanding the why and the intention and holding that as our primary focus, no matter what, especially in the beginning, but always is the thing that anchors us as teachers and gives us, as you said, Melissa, you know, clarity comes from simplicity. And it's like to really be clear about why this, why now, and then how do I, how do I sustain that, maintain that, or carry that thread in this body, right? Do whatever adaptation I need without losing the intention of the exercise or of the work. And this part in particular to me too feels like, if not one of the most important aspects of keeping a student safe not only for my own success as a teacher, but for their success and safety, it's perhaps the most important piece. And I wonder if perhaps just as we wrap up here, either of you would like to speak to that question of safety and injury within Pilates directly. Um, so I think oh, well, one thing is... <laughs> So one thing, I, that was really beautifully said, Chantel, and um, just one thing that immediately popped into my mind with um, this student's experience in teacher training is that, one, um, something that I really try to remind my students when they are going through long weekend modules, you know, sometimes 16 hours, 18 hours in a weekend, is that really... You know, they're practicing the exercises. They're teaching each other. They're being bodies for each other. They're sitting for long periods of time. They're getting cold. They're get, you know, as I really try to tell them, in, in real life, you don't do short spine, you know, a hundred times in a weekend. <laughs> you know, it's not really intended to do that. Or you don't do inversions over and over and over again. You don't do some of these things that in teacher training and trying to understand and perfect what's being given to us, we tend to overdo in our body or we tend to not be really prepared to do it when we lie down to be a body for our, our, our teacher and our peers and things like that. So I just think that, you know, I really, with my students, try to communicate to them that they don't necessarily have to physically perfect that exercise this weekend. You know, and in the initial learning of it, that that's what their apprenticeship hours are for, and that they really need to, in their um, passion and you know, um, 
you know, wanting to learn and wanting to get it and wanting to get it right so that then they can teach it, you know, to, to understand that it, just like it's going to be for their clients, it's a process for them as well and, and that they are going through a, a very intensive period that their apprenticeship hours are there for a lot of that understanding and practice and in a very healthy way to come. So that's just one little piece on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Safety issue as far as te- relating to teachers and teacher training. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, this, I think this woman's question, my sense of it was, even though the injury occurred during teacher training, at least I think that that's, that, that was my understanding that her question was more to like, she started to assume that, 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 that it was not uncommon for people just to be injured in regular practice, which I thought was interesting. And part of, but I think it it was also, there was a little bit more to that where she actually had, had some process around like what might have attributed to this experience and really she she acknowledged or was able to get some clarity around her own responsibility and you spoke to this early on Melissa her own responsibility as a student and knowing her limits and knowing what she was asking of herself which is also what you're what you've just talked about in terms of teacher training and then also from the teacher's point of view she felt like perhaps there wasn't an opportunity given or afforded her to check in about the um, you know, about her specific conditions, and yet she never pursued checking in with the teacher. So it is it is yeah. very interesting, these two sides, right, as we enter into a relationship with our students, that there is equal and shared responsibility. And I think perhaps a, a, there is a whole other conversation that we could have about how do we set ourselves up for that balanced relationship with every student that we are interacting with. But in any case, I don't know, Deborah. Do oh you, yeah, <laughs> it's it's big, right? It's a big, it's yeah, a big, big question. But yeah, Deborah, it is. it is, it is, and it's you know, like with everything, Melissa, you pointed to the truth of the you know, obviously the industry is growing, and thankfully, we are able to um, <clears throat> more and more people are able to participate in Pilates and. And as it gets more popular, I don't know, I was thinking about the hamburger and the salad. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, um, oh, I don't know what a hamburger is, you know, but all my friends are having one, so yeah. I think I want one. You know, yeah. so there's kind of like that, like, to question people when they come in the door a little bit about, well, do you even, what have you heard about hamburgers? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what's the, you know, like... <laughs> Right, I know I'm being silly, but so I think it's so important to, um, to, you know, everybody fills out their intake form, but I think a really important piece, and this is maybe a good conversation to have another time, is honestly, what are people's expectations, of course, their goals, of course, but what do they actually think this thing is? Yeah. Right, right. On so many levels, why are they there? What are they coming in for? It's just not that they are right or wrong, but actually get inside their head a little bit about that. And obviously with teacher training programs, 
to understand as best we can what is the motivation for our our teacher trainees. Yes. Mm. You know, stay on top of all that with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think I think this is this is a good wrapping up point. I mean, I do want I would like to talk to you both about you know in just endlessly about anything, but if <laughs> <laughs> we we've gone a little longer, and I want to make sure folks who are listening feel like they can listen without much pressure. So I will just say thank you, Melissa, so much for being on with us, and I hope that we have an opportunity to have you on again. It would be great to um, talk to you about any number of aspects of the work and about teaching and, and, you know, wherever it might take us. And so thank you again for being with us today. Yeah, oh, Melissa, thank, thank you. you. It was really great. It was very inspiring to be able to hear what you have to say. It's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I loved it. I'm so excited to talk with you guys. And I said to you guys before we started recording, I think we're all somewhat of Pilates geeks and could <laughs> talk about it for a really long time. Your show is just great. I really enjoy listening to it. And um, I think it's just great work that you guys are doing. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. All right, ladies. Well, for those of you who are listening, um, I think that in the last podcast I gave out the wrong email address, so I apologize. But if you do want to get in contact with us, we would love it. And you can email us at thinkingpilatespodcast at gmail.com. Thinkingpilatespodcast, no S at the end, dot com. So feel free to... Um, share with us your questions, your insights, your inspirations, and we will talk to you next time.